and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another In Focus movie review. This week, we are up to Ed's, uh, Ed's choice, which was not oh, wait, originally this- the relic. We switched to it, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, because I think the first game, the first movie I had in mind, I think turned out to be not free on Amazon Prime. So we switched to something else. And then so much time had passed that this is the second time this has happened now where a movie was free on Amazon Prime whenever we picked it. But by the time I go around to sit down and watch it for to review it for the show, it had moved off and I had to pay for it. So, yeah. I, and I mentioned that to everyone. I mentioned that to you guys in, in the chat. Like, I think maybe we should make the choice closer to the record time. Well, I paid my, uh, my four ninety nine Canadian to, to rent it. You know, it was fine. So did I. So did I. I, did, I did my three ninety nine to rent it today. And so yeah. did I. <laughs> oddly enough, yeah. it's a movie I had never seen. I thought I had, but I hadn't. I definitely, I knew I'd seen it, but yeah, we're good. So it is 1997's The Relic, because I think there's like a 2018 Relic or something like that, which you could Correct. confuse it with. But yeah, it's 1997, The Relic. Um, yeah, it was uh, a homicide detective and an anthropologist tried to destroy a South American wizard-like god who's on a people-eating rampage in a Chicago museum. That's the uh, the bio for it, you know. The late great Tom Sizemore is in it, and I absolutely love him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was uh, it was directed by or was uh, sorry the director of photography was was one of my favorite, which was uh, Peter Himes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you, do you want to give us a a kind of a bigger synopsis, kind of a run through of? Where we start at our sure. Since this one's mine, I'll give the loose translation to this one. So the basic premise behind this is that this anthropologist who is in Brazil finds these this fungus that's growing in the leaves and sends it back to his museum that he works with in Chicago. Um, oh, you turned your stream off. That's what threw me off. Yeah. You yeah, gave me sorry. I think you. <laughs> like no 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 ed turned his internet back on he knows that's not (laughs) what happened um anyway so uh he tries to stop the shipment once he realizes it's a bad thing but too bad it doesn't actually doesn't actually stop the shipment so long story short the fungus is on these leaves um basically is full of indoor full of all these hormones and they do a great job of accelerating evolution and turns something into a monster. In this case, it turns out to be the anthropologist himself. You find that out much later in the movie. Um, so it's in this gigantic museum. It kind of I feel like it's the same museum they filmed Night in the Museum. And my wife was watching this with me. I'm so sorry for her. <laughs> for having <laughs> Don't know what's through this. Um, Tom Sizemore uh, plays the main detective. Yeah, uh, the first open, the first I don't know, the first act of this one actually was kind of interesting. I thought where it was basically kind of a murder mystery. So there's a guy that gets killed in the museum, and they're trying to solve the mystery who it is, and then it kind of spirals out of control after that into the into a monster movie at the uh, the the mid second act, and then the rest of the third act. I remember, so I was watching this this morning. I didn't get all the way through my second watch through, but I got enough uh, of the things I wanted to see because um, I wanted to double check stuff because ju- I believe I'm going to rebuttal your uh, your premise of the movie. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. It was a lot of this is left up to interpretation. And normally, like, I think I've spoken about it in the past on these uh, shows where it's like, they don't like really respect modern audiences and they tell you too much. In this one, I feel like it leaves a lot of stuff ambiguous. Uh, no, I agree. Better off or worse. No, I agree um, with that. But yeah, I I was watching through and um I've I've lost my point entirely, but I'm gonna I'm gonna push through anyway. Um, you were gonna you were gonna rebut my rebut my premise and ambiguous. Yeah. So um Obviously, it, it opens up in the scene in uh, where we assume is Brazil because of the um, that's where the uh, the relevant um, relic is from. All of that stuff, and um, the guys taking pictures, and then they, you see them putting these leaves in some um, some water and boiling, making a, like a, a herb herb infused tea, and then they make him drink it, and he has a bit of an episode, and then 
is not. I don't believe he's trying to um, send them um, across. Uh, he's trying to get them off the boat. And um, but he put them on the boat in the first place. He yeah. put them in crates to put them on the boat. Um, it the, the remained. Boat, to... The oh, ship captain wouldn't. The ship captain was arguing and wouldn't let him take them off the boat. Yeah, the customs yeah. wouldn't let him do it after they're gone. And to be fair, like he sent one crate back that had a stone relic, which it's kind of a, a MacGuffin in the fact that the, it, it, the relic itself has nothing it's got to do. Nothing. With it. Yeah. It, it, nothing at all to do with that. I recall that being something that annoyed me when I watched this the first time around, like ye uh, 20 years ago or whatever. I remember, like, why is this movie called The Relic? Because yeah, it's got it, nothing to do with it. The stone relic they had of this lizard god thing has literally nothing to do with the story it, other than the fact it came from the same place. It was the empty crate, the quote-unquote empty crate, just full of those leaves. Yeah, He sent, he sent um, back in a crate full of leaves that had that fungus yeah, on. And I... I, I thought that they were supposed to be like a packing they'd used as a packing material or something is what where we're kind of going. But he's trying to get them off because the um the the chemical that's in them is addictive and what that's what fuels the addiction and the murder spree is um he needs to eat that part of the people's brains, which is hypothalamus. <laughs> the hypothalamus. Yeah. yeah. And that's why he's trying to get it off so he can like get his high. And then, because that's why when he finds the wrong, the incorrect crate and has a fit, uh, and then it cuts to ghost ship time seven weeks later. <laughs> yes. And they found the ship just floating in Lake Michigan. Yeah. So, like, watching it, I was like, it's really obvious that it's him if you, like, follow it through. Like, when you say it's, like, revealed later and stuff, it's like, Right, it's not it's, definitively revealed, but yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. It is, the, the the hints are there. And then the, I think this is where me and Sean kind of like put heads. Like these first scenes where it's at the docks, and then they use like Chekhov's coal tunnels. Um, like what are the, what are those tunnels? Oh, those are the old coal tunnels. So much stuff used to come through. And that's like, called the, foreshadowing. The, they do a good the, job of it throughout the movie. Actually, no, I'm kidding. It's not. But, you're right. It, it's Chekhov's coal tunnel. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, that completely goes completely under the city where someone could make it from the docks to the museum conveniently, yeah. completely I mean, undetected. That's confirmed when they ask that specific question later on. Great. Very Good. tidy. Very convenient, I would say. Yeah. Um, but like, all the shots here are fine. The lighting's good. Like, when they're in the hall, yeah. you get a little bit of mood lighting and stuff. And then. You get when like it 20 feels... minutes into a film and you never get to see any visuals ever again. Yeah, so my wife said the exact same thing that you did, which was as we're watching the movie, she's like, does this look really grainy to you? And I'm like, well, it was filmed in 97. She's like, yeah, but so were a lot of films. And I've but not, not even seen... like grainy. It's just, you can't, I'm pretty sure that um, this was the inspiration for the Winterfell battle in <laughs> Season eight one, they're like, oh, my, did you watch for Relic in nineteen ninety seven? Yeah, yeah. You know how easy it is to just hide everything if you just don't show people stuff. You know, but it probably like, looks perfect on an old Sony Trinitron or something like that. I don't know. Like I, I messed up. So I was, I was burnt in today because Jill picked up all the time. Like spoilers were recording on a Saturday instead of our normal Thursday swap. Um, and so I was kind of watching it on my uh, my tablet and i i played around with all I, I kept pausing it on different scenes and messing around with all the contrast brightness and everything to see if i could make out anything <laughs> and it just makes no difference yep. like yep th there's no there's nothing there for you to actually get out of it but ironically uh, when all of the crap goes down and we go to a, a red emergency lighting the sets are better lit yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have backlight. You had backlighting at that point. Yeah. I but... thought that they were going with the whole idea of like, you know, in the early parts of a good horror movie, you don't show the monster right away. So they were kind of going with the shrouded dark. Ooh, I can kind but of I see agree. a tail. You don't show the monster, but it's you don't show the mon you know you show the you cast. Let people hear it. <laughs> yeah, like I wanna I would like to see I, I have no idea if the acting's good or not in this film. It was a pleasant enough audio drama. Oh. 
So, so I don't know. So, so really, you don't, I, you, go on, Sean. Well, there are three three things in this movie. You know, we can go with how bad, how how you couldn't see half of it through half the movie. There's three things. I do have a question. Do the two little boys get out or do they get eaten? They get I don't out. Know what? I know. Yeah, well, that, that, yeah, that entire thing, that was part of the reason why I was trying to watch it a second time. I was like, there's a story element here. They introduce them. They're like, Is it like going to be a Jurassic Park kind of movie? Right, right. Where you've got the, the professor trying to protect the kids. And, like, and I, I feel like they weren't sure if they wanted to do X-Files or... Like there's so many things that yeah. they're trying to be, and there it kind of just defi- doesn't doesn't get any of them done. I feel like there is definitely a tonal shift. Like again, the begin the first act of the movie feels like a detective story. Like so, what ends up happening is unbeknownst to the viewer until the end of the movie. Basically, the that anthropologist was on the boat. He's the one that turns into the monster. Um, snuck through the secret coal tunnels to get to his museum for some reason. Um, there are two, there, the, the movie starts off where there's a, a school field trip and there's these two kids who are kind of poking around and they kind of like decided to skip class and they hung out at the museum and they're the ones who find the first victim, which turns out to be, you know, old Freddie, the, the security guard who was smoking one day weed. away from retirement, one day away, it had to be, had to be, um, was smoking weed in the, in the old men's room whenever he got killed by the first monster. The very next scene, you see the two kids outside of the building. So the two kids did get found. Okay. That just kind of got muddled in all of it. Because then you had the second part of it was angsty cop, who his backstory and his angstiness is because his wife not didn't get the kid in the divorce. He doesn't the... even have a kid, does it? It, it don't mention no. him having kids. It's like kid. he got the dog in the divorce. Yeah, yeah, she got the dog in the divorce. So he's a pissed off cop because his dog got taken in a divorce. Now, if you want angsty cop, I guess that's the way you get angsty cop. But you know, and the third thing, which was to me the funniest scene in the entire movie, is when the the owl team without um, the, the, the team from Predator 2 mm-hmm. who's coming through the ceiling, but they don't. Oh, my have, God. Yes. They don't I... have leadership. So so they all me out, die. Me out. Yeah. That, you know, that's, a, the, that's one of the best parts of a film is like they're, they're lifting him out and you see like you get your first decent look at the monster at this point and yep. it's kind of chasing behind him and like. He's trying to get him he's to pull up the rope. and he just it goes quiet, and then they lift him out and fall back, and it's just half of him. Yeah, well, you see, his face just goes blank, and then you know, yeah. you know. But but that whole thing reminds me of the scene in Predator Two when they're in the meat packing plant, and the predators just ripping them all to shreds. Mm. And then what's his name? Uh, Gary Busey goes in finally, you know, and gets killed. And to me, that team was like the remnant that was left of the ALF team. <laughs> the guy. They sent for this, but they had no leadership. And they dropped two guys in. They fast rope in quickly. The third guy's going down. The other two get their heads popped off by this thing. And then he's trying to get up the rope. Pull me up. Pull me up. Pull me up. And then he's dead, you know. <laughs> you you missed but, but the helicopter's coming in. The other thing about the helicopter's coming in is it went back to Die Hard, where I'm thinking, oh, it looks yeah. like we're gonna need more FBI guys because it just kind of <laughs> made no sense. That whole you missed scene the there. best part of that scene, though. The best part. So after they get the torso out, the one guy that pulled him out does the old <gasps> arms in the oh, air, yeah. screaming at the sky, no. Yeah, like, that was, like, like what? He was also one week away from retirement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> also, yeah, all these guys, man. Yeah, but maybe yeah, don't other, go in on that call. Other oh, than man. that, to me, it felt like they were trying to recreate the thing in a different environment. You know, where yeah, not, I could not see with that. the same, not with the same storyline of where the thing is infecting. That thing was like absorbing everybody and getting yeah. bigger. The, the only the, reason why I disagree, Sean, is because even tarnishing this, you tarnish a thing by saying it in the same I know. Yeah. I, know. I, mean, yeah. I don't want to put spoilers out there, but Sean, your film's no longer the worst one we watched on this sit through. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty damn close. <laughs> it's close. It's close. Um, 
so yeah, so that's the the first act was kind of you get introduced. We haven't even talked about the I guess main character because she was the one that was she actually got first billing in the film whenever they're giving the um yeah that Linda the, Hunt the cast. that Linda well, Hunt okay no Linda Hunt is no, not the main Penelope character but on uh, Penelope Ann Miller yeah but oh yeah, yeah. Dr. Oh, Margot Green. Yeah, but I always love seeing Linda Hunt in anything. Um, no, you get introduced yeah. to her, and she's one of the other biologists. There's kind of like this B plot in the film where she is competing for a grant. And, of course, you have the swarmy scientist that's working in the in the museum as well who yep. already got his grant and his funding for his research, but he's being... No, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not, it's not his grant. He already got one grant, and he yeah. decided yeah, he, wants he would like second. to apply for a second grant. Like yeah. any good scientist would. Why wouldn't you want more money? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, because it unemploys her entire staff. She's kind enough to point that out. And he has one incredible line in the movie. One of the best lines ever. I'll stay behind to protect the rich people so I can get my <laughs> grant. You know, that's not what he said, but I'll that, stay behind funny. to protect them. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's one of those, like he you obviously get the payoff of him getting absolutely murderized it's fine yeah thank god thank god that so in any case so the <clears throat> the end of the first act in my opinion has the best character with the best acting which is that me that is examining the security guard's body She's amazing. I don't know what who the actress was that played her. She by far was, in my opinion, the highlight of the entire film because she's hysterical. Um, so, so for her doing the whole examination of, you know, so during the course of the examination, you find out there was a hole punched in the guy's head after either before or after it was decapitated. Yeah. They never make that clear, and there would this monster is eating pieces of the brain where the hypothalamus is to get the, the, the hormones that it needs. And yeah. she just, so that's where you get that little tidbit of information. And then you never see her again. <laughs> uh, what What's her joke. If I um, get in head and not giving it, uh, uh, she's got, she's got a got good lines in it. She, she does. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Is that, a, is that Audra Lindley? That might be her. Dr. Dr. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the other, that's the, a good scene, uh, but again, pretty dark in that. Oh, that um, in, in that well, OR. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like yeah, in the morgue. And there's so many like so they they this is a new exhibit in the museum, right? And they've got they've gone balls to the wall. Like you've got all like Aztec caverns and Inca and all of the all of these different Central American and South American uh, cultures where it's all like, it's not just the walls of a museum with the display pieces, like a museum I'm used to going to. It's all like caverns and stuff. And like, then they decided we spent all of this money on all this architecture and getting all of these pieces together that we can't afford white bulbs anymore. So um, yeah, no yeah, one can see them. Apparently. Yeah, part of the subplot is that they're hosting a gala. They're having a... It's it's one of the things the museum does to get its funding for the year. So they hold a big party with all the rich people who are going to be there so that they can get their donations. And the exhibit that they're opening is on superstitions. That's one of the other kind of B-plots is that Tom Sizemore's character, uh, Detective D'Augusta, um, is superstitious and they kind of it's kind of a running gag the whole way through like oh, oh he's examining the the security guard's body don't step over the body that's bad luck oh there's yeah. a penny there's a penny on the floor is it face down no nope, leave it leave it there it's bad luck like oh did you see a cat now uh, it was it a black cat like the those kinds of yeah. things that kind of like there, go there's through. a lot of that there's a lot of that throughout the movie. So of course there was going to be a superstition um, exhibit at the museum, which is where a lot of the, the murders happened at the end of the film. Well, another, another one of the, the gags that was in it was when they were splitting the group up, when one was going to go to the coal tunnel, the other was going to stay back and protect. And the one guy asked the other guy, do you got ammo? Oh, I got ammo. I, oh I'm my God. Yeah. Loaded. I'm so, and then he goes to shoot his guns and they're empty. So there's a big, so there's a big, big part of me that made me wonder if that was a production error. Like they got towards the end of the filming and the actor was, money. yeah, that the actor was supposed to have blanks in that gun and he's running and he takes two shots 
and nothing and he happened. Surprised, and he looked surprised. He looked surprised, so he went and grabbed a second gun. Because you're right, they made a point to make a in the film. Are you loaded? Yep. Nope. Fully loaded. And then the one time he needs to pull his gun out, no bullets. Wait, how did that happen? How did a, a trained police officer? How did that happen? Yep. No. Unbelievable. So Unbelievable. we get. So we get into the. So I think that kind of covers the first act, really. Um, that's kind of the basic premise behind it. Someone's been killed. The, the, um, Tom Sizemore's character is basically holding up the opening of the museum to the public because they haven't caught this guy yet. <laughs> they don't know who did it. Um, <clears throat> and of course there's big galas coming up. So the museum's trying to put pressure on him to like, you know, well, you know, this is a really big night. We really need to have people here. So please go find this guy so we can you know, open up the doors. And they end up going down through like these tunnels that are underneath the museum and finding a homeless guy that for some reason had a fire axe there. And oh, by the way, he had a medallion from one of the guys that was one of the people who was on the ship that all got killed. So clearly this is the guy. So like they point everything in the right direction to say this homeless guy is the one that did this, did all of these murders because he was what on the boat for some reason and killed all those people then came through the coal tunnels and hung out in the museum and then killed some other guy, apparently, is the viable explanation that they're going with. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, it was thin, you know. Yeah. Very, very, very thin as far as trying to connect all of that in this story. And then it's just like it's forgotten. It's like it sure. literally goes away, and then you're on to the next thing, which is still angsty cop, dog, all that crap. And... The only person I think that really had any form of positive relevancy in the entire movie is the doctor in the wheelchair. Yes. And I have a question. Did he get eaten or not? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Because when he says he can't carry me up the stairs um, when they've got to go back to her lab. But he was in that caged area. Yeah, and then it turns up and he smiles at it. Like he's yep. he's pretty happy that he he's proven right because he just yeah. like his theory was proven right yeah yeah and to be fair so for those who have not seen the movie yet he posited a theory that while evolution is a slow and progressive thing throughout human history every once in a while there are gigantic leaps in evolution that force more change. That's the that's the running yeah. theory that he has is that while evolution is usually a slow progressive thing. We have, on occasion, gigantic leaps in evolution, and that's what progressed towards humans uh, evolving on the Earth. And he's smiling when he sees the creature because, yes, I have been proven correct, and now I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. So. The, other, the other thing is, is that when the movie started out, you, you saw that they tried to give credence and, and you know, like, um, tried to validate the guy in the beginning because he's wearing a fedora and a leather jacket like Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, that's the, it was just kind of like one of those things where you're just like, what in the world are they doing? You know, cause they're, they're just trying to do too much. You know? So they, I mean, it gets worse than that, Sean, but I was going to like say that when we, for when we kind of go over our highs and woes later or whatever, but yeah, then, um, but <laughs> I think what accelerates us from like part two into the finale is somehow Palpatine return. I mean, somehow, um, <laughs> like someone leans on something or knocks something over, and suddenly, um, the people start. Oh, the body falls. Yeah. Um, from the ceiling and smashes one of the displays, which sets off an alarm. So you cut to control room, and it's like, oh no, there's a there's an alarm going on, what's going on? And then everyone's panics and starts screaming. And then you see him running down the corridor and it goes back to a control room, which is also pitch black, as all control rooms should be. Not always right. when you're doing an overnight shift, best way to stay awake, have all the lights turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> everything is so dark, it sickens me. Um, and that's oh, it's like we're having an earthquake. And you're like, well, so was, okay, so there's a lot of people running, okay. And then the guy's like, oh, we're in Chicago. We don't get earthquakes. Okay, I understand there's a lot of people running. It's shaking the foundations of this massive museum whose foundations run so deep they go all the way to the coal tunnels. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like mm-hmm. this museum with priceless antiquity just didn't bother closing those doors. It's fine. Yeah. The nope. professor who went to Brazil knew about these tunnels. Everybody knows it's just an open like next time you're in Chicago, go to a dock, through the tunnels, into a museum, take anything you want, take it to a <laughs> British <laughs> museum, and then you know it's fine, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. The the yeah. scene in the control room is really stu- like right the power goes out. So what ends yeah, up that's happening? what that's what it's well, like. Well, before the, the po- power goes out, before the power goes out, you have the body falls through the one case, yeah, which then creates a catastrophic failure across all their systems. Yeah, yeah. Like, did someone get crushed in one of the security doors or something as well? Yes. I'm, like, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's not how security doors work, but you know, whatever. I mean, hey, you know, but he did, you know, the guy did try to put a a chair, you know, a, a fucking nice like like wicker chair to stop <laughs> this big ass heavy security door from coming down when he could have put his shotgun in there and it probably would have worked. Probably would have done a better job. But, My yeah, personal so, uh, favorite is, is people were fleeing the building. Like you get down the okay, they're out of the building now. Yeah. They're going down the stairs and they're just like trampling over each other and leaping over each other down the it, hard concrete stairs. It's not even that. It's oh. like so. Just so you're aware. If there's ever a fire drill in that museum and everyone has to walk down the corridor at the same time at speed. Oh, yeah. The control room thinks it's an earthquake, locks everybody in, <laughs> like, whether, like willing to kill people to shut these doors, then turns the sprinklers on. Well, the yeah. reason why, so the reason why they were locking it down, because originally they said they thought it was a theft. A robbery, because one of the displays were broken. Right, one yeah. of the when the body fell, the display got broken, and, and they and hit that's the why you put the sprinklers on, Sean, because everyone knows thieves run slower with prizes <laughs> uh, when it can get damaged by water. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think that that was just the cascade of failure after the first alarm went off, and their system. No, no Sean, you know, their... it, it was the Deus Ex Mechanica of man. Yeah. I really need these tunnels to be flooded next. Right, exactly. Yep. So I just exactly. need the sprinklers to be on for a little bit. So that these miles and miles of coal tunnels have got three feet of water in them from the right. sprinklers. Do you? Uh, so everything that was in that museum destroyed. Right. One hundred percent. Like done. Yeah, that that <laughs> museum is done. You know. But here, here oh. so so another interesting part is Detective Diago tells the detective that done. with yeah <laughs> he says it like multiple he corrects people multiple times yeah. But but he tells the, the cop upstairs to get everybody out of there to go use the tunnels and to be extremely quiet. Yeah. The whole thing is about being quiet. If they're quiet, they might be able to get out of there. What does everybody do? They're fucking screaming. Mm-hmm. They're talking. They're, everything is so loud with these people. And I'm just like, I don't even understand. Like, conceptually, this movie just started to... Like oh, it falls I, apart I, completely. I, I, I talked about jumping the shark. This thing, there was no shark in this. That shark was eaten by the killer whale. It jumped it so bad. It was. <laughs> it's one of those movies that's almost bad enough to be a good movie. Almost. almost. It was so the third, close. The third so act close. starts the thing that annoyed me the most watching that movie, which is the monster fast travel. Everywhere the monster could be. It yeah. was it instantaneously. Yeah, it was warping. Like, you would have one scene where it's killing someone on the main floor, and then the very next scene is, oh, here are the people going through the coal tunnels and going through the water, and the monster's in front of them, not behind uh, them, in front of them. How in the hell did it get? And then the next thing, it's on the roof. How did it get there? I don't know. And, it just is. So it's just chopped the, the lower half, of the guy who they're trying to pull up on the rope, yeah? Yeah. The two skylights are open. It has to get to a brain, which I know that there's many, many jokes about men, but the brain's actually in the upper half. Yes. So the Mm -hmm. purpose for killing him that we've established hasn't yet been met, and it did it at the window. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just, it, it doesn't get those last two guys. It doesn't continue for its meal. It just goes somewhere else entirely. And is on slaughter rampage again. Yeah, I, I don't know. 
can we rewind a little bit to the power outage? Because I still don't understand what caused. I don't understand what caused any of the system failures. Okay, so let's let's run that through in the logical sense. There is a display that has been destroyed in a museum. The museum thinks that there's a robbery. It starts to go into a lockdown phase. Okay, cool. All the people are trying to run out of the museum while this is happening. Understood. I'm with you right there. What the hell caused the power outage? If the monster was somewhere on that main floor where it was able to drop a body from there, how in the hell did it get from there, this is where the fast travel starts, to the basement to take out the power? How did it know to take out the power? What it, like? There's no backup systems of any kind. I like how the, the no, one no, 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 no. There were backups. They had emergency generators for the labs only. Correct, but there is a, there is a, there is an emergency backup power system that you can go to from the control room and literally walk out one door and into the other, and there's the emergency, which is conveniently destroyed. How did the monster go from throwing a body through a display? Ah, people are panicking. The whole thing's going crazy. Then all of a sudden is in the control room to con to kill the power to then get downstairs to take out the power system. Like none of it makes sense. The monster is doing all of this fast travel all through the building instantaneously. And this happens continuously throughout the third act. It's so annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I started getting really frustrated watching the movie because I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. The the monster was just killing the dogs in the coal tunnels, which we've established as a two mile hike, and then the next thing you know, he's here, and then he's back there again. How how is that? Now he's deeper in the museum, down towards the labs in the basement. It's just everywhere it needs to be. It's like yeah. the worst version of Amex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot of um. The movie could have been okay right up just, in the third act really for me is what killed it for me. It became it went from could be okay to this is trash when that third act gets it, you real know. quick as well, man. Real, real quick, quick and real, real quick. Yes. I, yes. I I just wish they'd have picked X Wing or Jurassic Park for me. I think if you pick one thing you want to rip off from the earlier nineties. Mm -hmm. and just stick with that one trope, it would have been fine. But yeah, I definitely think that they go just, yeah. Um, I'm almost sorry that I picked this one, but I'm kind of not, because I I'm, felt, I felt I'm like... I'm not was... sorry, because I feel like Sean's vindicated in his choice now. <laughs> yeah. And I, get, I feel like it's a safe bet that Hard Target is the best of the three movies we watched. Yeah, I'm not... You are, you are not wrong. You know, the funny part is, like, so I remember... It's interesting, because my wife and I were having this conversation as we were watching this film. I was, I was like, I remember seeing this movie when... Because 1997, I was a senior in high school. I remember going on a date and seeing this movie in, in the theater, and at the time, thinking it was okay. And it was probably the last time that I had seen this movie. So it's interesting how... 30-some years later, I'm watching it again going, oh my god, what was I thinking? I, I, I thought when I made this recommendation that it was going to be an okay movie. Nope. Not at all. Not in the slightest. I no, mean, it, it, was a, it was literally a movie that tried, but it, in trying, it literally failed miserably. Trying. On all fronts. On all yes. fronts. I mean, because it yeah. was legitimately, like you said, the first act wasn't too bad. Good setup. Decent character, maybe decent character, you know, uh, development. Mm-hmm. Act two doesn't all quite make sense, but it's kind of there, you know, when they're figuring shit out and the mayor jumps in about opening the museum. And so that sets up the third act. And then you get to the third act, and then none of it, the, the monster doesn't make sense, the deaths don't make sense, the monster movement absolutely doesn't make any sense. The only time the monster looked good in any, in my, in my, and I, in, admittedly, I'm not trying to judge technology at the time, I'm trying to judge it with the, the correct lens in 1997, what CG looked like. For CG, it was kind of okay for the time. I frame. think the practical effects were better than the CGI. Exactly what, what, what I was going to say. Exactly yeah. what I was going to use. It looked so much better when it was a practical effect as opposed to the CG. But the one thing, though, that really bothered me about the whole movie is when they're going through the lab area with all the chemicals, and somebody, and I don't remember who says it, probably Sizemore's character, says it where he says, this is the explosive area or whatever. 
Yeah, you wouldn't want to light a match in here. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh. And then what happens at the end? Sorry, sorry Sean. Yeah. Can you just clarify for people who don't quite get? So, in the museum, in the filled the with priceless antiquities, the, this the is the basement. explosive area. Yes, this yes. is the basement of the museum. Outside of all the labs where they do all the work, they have a gigantic thing of chemicals that are all explosive chemicals. Well, it's all, um, it's, it's all the specimens, though. They're all in formaldehyde. It's all flammable. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to So When she sets it on fire so that we can is, freeze it, right, or something. Yeah. Because fire... Again, we're doing Game of Thrones now. We're doing a Song of Fire and Ice here. You've got to set it on fire and freeze it so it can shatter and explode. But she sets the entire floor on fire as she's getting into a cage elevator going down. And yeah. then we cut to her getting out of a cage elevator and everything on that level is on fire. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. We forgot about the like, sex scene. We forgot about the sex scene in the movie. When she tells the monster, oh, no, yeah, I know who I'm, I, I know forgot who about you that, are. and you are right. Yes, it, I, I was I know a little who you are, bit, and then the oh. tongue comes out. Yeah, and starts to lick on her. Like I, I wrote, her. I wrote a note down of why did Ed recommend hentai? hentai yes, hentai. yes, right. exactly. In fairness, I had forgotten all about that scene. Oh my it, god, I had totally forgotten about that scene. Only in the nineties, Sean. Only in the nineties. Yeah, you don't know this thing, you know, has has the tongue that's six feet long or anything. And it, it's and, got it's a double ended tongue, Sean, don't forget. Yeah, it's a oh, yeah, it's a forked tongue, which means it was it was a lizard of some type. A gecko, but that thing didn't look anything like a gecko. It looked more like the the There was a lot of mandibles. In there I thought earlier on and then it kind of Okay, well, that's the idea. It, it's it's described it's, as a chimera, isn't it? Of like, right? Um, in the traditional sense, gecko, not in the it was a gecko. Thing. It was a gecko in like one of the beetles that they used. That's those yeah. were the crossings, I think. And it had like these mandible things, like a beetle would have. But then it looked like it was like one of the dogs from Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah, because it it eats a dog as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, because it gets one of the dogs. Yeah, but I think it looked like that before it ate the dog. To be fair, it did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looked like I they used. Like, it, it looked, looked like they had to reuse CGI from Ghostbusters for the creature because their budget was quickly running out. You know, with all these B-list actors at the time, it looked to me like a um, like a Baskalis from like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. That's what yeah, it exactly. really looked like to me. With the exception, well, the, head's, it, the was, head's not right. But <laughs> when it was on fire, though, it looked like oh, oh like my god. A, like a, a a cherubus or whatever it's called, the the dog of hell, you know. Yeah. Except it was on fire, like a hellhound. So that yeah. again, and then it shatters because it's also frozen. Right. That to me is where that. the CG failed for me. Is and again, I'm trying to put it through the correct lens of 1997 technology. It being on fire was the most one of the most comical things I had seen in the entire movie because it didn't look good in any way. It didn't look good at all. And it didn't make sense because, wait, it's still on fire. Like, if an animal were to be on fire, I don't think its reaction would be like, I'm just going to continue to walk down these stairs. And, oh, there's a person I want to go eat. I'm just going to go walk. Let me, go, like, let me come and uh, sexually assault you with my tongue again, love. Don't right, worry. Like, it will be even hotter this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know. They tried for sure. They they tried they, to make oh a they tried all right. They tried to make a legitimate horror film, but everything that they tried to copy for it just didn't quite work. It's almost yeah, like they a lot with, that didn't quite land for me. Yeah, it's almost like they went in with a good idea, and the first part of the script was really really good, or at least they thought it was good, and didn't know how to end it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like, like, I feel like this was lost. Maybe it was lost in the editing. Maybe there's a director's cut of this version where you can explain some of the fast travel that the monster's doing. You could see how it did all the things, but it's like, oh, we need to have the power out. Okay. The power is going to go out. We need to have, oh, they would have backup power. Well, it's going to take that out too. Okay. And cause my, my hope is that there are some explanations to how any of that stuff happened, but legitimately it's like they, they didn't know how to end the movie. 
Mm-hmm. I feel more like studio interference than I do um, editing. Yeah. I feel like because like, the, like, the tone definitely changes um, boy. from Har- what it's hardship. setting up. Yeah. Because it's like, off- the entire name, why is it called the Relic? It's got nothing to do with the Relic. And the, the big point that it should set up, which it just fails to do, is what's the motivation of the Brazilians? Well, they, they they did they did kind of talk about that before, where it's like if they were like warring with another tribe, well, and they won't, they so won't they're, they're at war with a photographer. Why did it's one guy just kill him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good point. Like, why did they even bother to give it to him in the first place? Yeah, like right. there's no way this tribe. Right. What they could have done is there could have been protesters outside of the um uh the gala. Yeah, people protesting. It, uh, I'm glad you referenced Die Hard early because this was one of my notes as well, Sean. For Die Hard Two, you get the uh, when he um, is it Colonel O'Neill, a bad guy. Um, yeah. He's also a guy from Star Stargate, so it might not be Colonel O'Neill, but we're, um, I think it's O'Neill, whatever rank he is, I can't remember. Um, that's by the by. But when he's doing his like naked exercise routine yeah. at the start of the film, and you've got the um, the movie, the news clip playing. Like you could have had a new like it could have shown instead of her cycling and then getting dressed outside, the introduction introduction to the main character could have been her having breakfast with the news on, talking about um the diplomatic relations Shit. between America and Brazil because of these things. Some yeah. establish a reason why this is bad, because all we know is that. He's got one relic, which we assume he got legitimately because he's with them. Like, yeah. You don't see any struggle. It looks like they're having a ceremony. Yeah, but like, why? They, it's established later on in the movie that this is how they went to war. They would well, mutate so, so, someone into yep. a chimera or so, whatever. So they... remember, he was an anthropologist. Yeah. Oh, so that's part of it. He was an anthropologist connected to the museum because that's why the relic was going back to the museum. Yeah. And and it, so the scene, and you guys may not be familiar with it, but in the in the sixties, Carlos Castaneda was a big, well, not a big, but he became a big name in certain circles as an anthropologist. Um, you know, looking at the medicinal use of peyote. With the oh yeah, the, I do remember reading about that yeah, guy. Yeah, with the Yaqui Indians down in, mm-hmm. in Mexico, and that's exactly how this felt. Like they got that beginning story portion from that storyline with Carlos Castaneda and Don Juan Mattis. You know, like that's how they started it, where he was like there to learn about the warring methods instead of trying to learn about the medicinal methods of this tribe. And then they gave him the 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 love juice or whatever it was, which then <laughs> turned him into the chimera because he killed everybody on the boat, you know, because he, yeah. he op- opened everything up. But the thing was, was that didn't he open up those crates when he was on the boat? He found it was so he found a crate that was labeled Chicago, Illinois, and it was filled with tapestries or carpets or something. Yeah, uh, and then it it sh- cuts to a shot of. The ones labeled from a museum, which are apparently still on deck or somewhere else. Well, um, no, so I, oh, they were being I, lifted in. They were being lifted in at that time, weren't they? Yeah, I think the reason why he was upset whenever he opened those crates is because he realized the ones that he opened were the wrong ones, and the ones yeah. that he wanted to intercept were still on the dock. They mentioned whenever they come there, because what they had said, like obviously the boat that he was on was stuck in Lake Michigan until they towed it into Chicago. So those crates that were on the boat never made it to the museum. The ones that made it to the museum were the ones that were left on the dock. So someone found them on the dock and then shipped them to the the, the museum later. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, was did he know what was going to happen if he didn't get the thing? Because like, it's implied that if he keeps eating them, it's still going to keep mutating. It's not right. like it would keep him... Right, it just it it means he doesn't have to rip heads, kind of thing. But but here's the so, question I have: is how did he get from the boat? Because he killed the crew on the boat. How did he get from the boat to the museum? Was that one of the, the coal tunnels? The coal, the coal tunnels. Coal tunnels. That was the coal but he, tunnels. But he, That's right. He knew about... They went from the dock. Yeah. 
the yeah. dock all the way to the museum. Yeah. I got a better yeah. question for you. When he's in monster form and he's killing all the people on the boat to rip their heads off and take their, their hypothalamuses, how does he have the forethought to hide the bodies in the bilge? Good question. That must have so been my, his my assumption is that he uh, that he was he was living in the water in the bilge because of um, the I don't know maybe the temperature control or whatever as he becomes more and more wizard like I assume <laughs> that that was I uh, yeah I get it's the reason for you to be able to have the 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 lime green water yeah um, the making do water with floating body parts in it to give mm -hmm. you that like hook into a movie but yeah oh, there's so many things so so many yeah it, it just it it felt you know it felt like they tried that's what i can give this movie <laughs> they, they they tried they tried to do a thing yeah i don't know Sean. i don't know if they did or not i couldn't see <laughs> <laughs> so so i watch it on my computer monitor which i was able to get more out of than if i were watching it on my 4k tv no, I because, watched it on my 4K TV, and I I remember with Chris, there were a lot of dark, dark scenes. Yeah, because the movie, if you're, you know, the movie isn't made for high def, so you're not, you're probably in like four, what is it, 480p or whatever. Yeah, oh, at that time, I, I think the most fun I think you can have watching this is if you actually watch it with a mind to like figure out why the lights aren't on. Yeah, because the amount of different locations you can go to, it's like, why don't they just put the lights on? Like you, people are trying to work in here. Yeah. I was very surprised on the second watch through this morning when, um, like, it's daylight when she arrives at work, and the the museum's actually pretty well lit when the kids are going. You know, like the, the entryway to the museum. So I was pretty sure it was some alternate dimension where we don't need light. Because <laughs> you know that's the best conditions to do lab work in. Yeah. Yeah, but I. I'm not wrong, no. I'm like, there's definitely far too many places where it was just too no reason for it to be that dark. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so we're ready to give a a number to this one as far as our vote. I already have a feeling I know where Chris is ranking this one. So why don't we go ahead and give you the start, young man? I mean, I'm not even sorry, Ed. Right? It's got to be <laughs> all right. I do want it like a five or right, a ten because it's probably the same number. I think we've done it on a 10 scale. Sean, do you remember at all if we've been doing this on a 5 or a 10 scale? I think we've all done, we've all done different ones, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, we all had our own scales, so... So we'll do I, it on I, I like it a 5, I think, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's a 1, man. I yeah. It had potential, and I was thinking it would be a 3, and then it just... Uh, it starts off, oh, this could be a 4. It could be good. You know, I, I like the X-Files, <laughs> I like Jurassic Park. Maybe they'll thread that needle pretty well. And then you're like, oh, no, it's, uh, I can't really see what's going on here. And so it drops a number there. And then you're like, oh, I, I don't really think that this makes sense. Like, what, what's this? And then you get to the, the uh, Wizard Kong rape scene. And you're like, um, you know what? I'm not really into this either. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay, maybe. And then you, you get to the end, you're like, thank God for that. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> so yeah, Sean, your vote. Ooh, I'm going to give it a little more than Chris did. Um, Like I said, I think that they tried. I think that that they did the best with what they had. And, and then it had Peter Hyam as the visual director, which... Of course, in this case, probably isn't a great thing to brag about him in, but but Peter Heim is one of my favorite directors, so I'll give it a, a one and a half. That's where I was going to fall with it, too. The only reason it's, because I'm kind of with Chris, like, for me, it kind of started off at a three, and then we get to the second act, and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense, and it kind of gets downgraded to a two, and then we get to that that disastrous of a third act and it just goes down to like a 1.5 and the fact that it was entertaining for a short period of time and then after that it just falls off a cliff. i mean so it's an episode of family guy but i don't have to sit for an hour and like how long minutes, is this yeah it's an hour 42 minutes i think it was an hour 50 yeah yeah i, I mean 
IMDB gives it a 5.8 out of 10. Out of from 10? 30,000 30, rating. I think these people enjoy smoking crack. Yeah, that, that is way too generous. Way too okay, generous. Okay, th this, this one will shock you. Out of, um, what did I say, 30,000 people, only 756 give it a 1 out of 10. 1,500 people give it a 10 out of 10. What? 10 out of 10. What? Double the number of people give it a 10, then a 1. That's so, absurd. Objectively, I must be wrong. Objectively. That's absurd. Hmm. All right. So uh, as per established by the rules, we're going to hold off on the pick until much closer to the actual date of... Um, of viewing um that does leave it we're back to you we've gone full circle now sean so it's gonna so be i thought what we could discuss rather than picking the actual film is we could discuss the genre and have a bit of a back and forth right, about would, what yeah, genre you, do yeah because like, we, this time we, we picked like not optimal 90s movies i feel like the yeah the, was the yeah. framing for this one yeah we kind of did <laughs> so like do we do we have any spe specific things you want to want to try and throw out there? You know, mm. are we looking so, at for what the next one's going to be? Yeah, what the the next three films we pick because yeah, like we what, all pick from the same genre. So I think we discuss the genre, then we can go away and think about it and kind of plan ahead and have you know pick some like we could we could throw out a few selections each and do it as a pool. So the first, the first one that I'd like to, to throw out there as a potential genre is the cheesy 80s action film. It can't be a good one. I think, I personally, I think we have way more fun watching the suboptimal than the, because there's a lot of great 80s action films you can pull out. You can pull out your Terminator, you can pull out like your Aliens, you can pull like a whole bunch of cool 80s action films. I want like the 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 low to mid tier. Mm. <laughs> like, I feel like we're are we not too close to what we've just done though? If we do, I have a, a deviation a little bit. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean we kind of. Like, oh, I've, I've got one that we we I'll I'll throw out one for the the uh, the group sports movies. Ooh, can they be mm. good sports movies or do they? Have, or... Yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll throw them into a pool. We'll pick three from a pool. I could do that. I could do that. I'm not a big sports movie fan. Exactly. I knew this was going to be the case because it's still going to be like you're watching a terrible movie. So we yeah. get a dissenting voice. All right. I've, really? I've, got another I've got another genre we're going to put in then. If we're going to do sports movies as a film, can we do spoof comedy movies it's that. it's a genre that seems to have died is in the modern era of of modern filmmaking and to to make the I definition have died in general but... in general i agree to make the definition of what i mean by a spoof comedy movie i'd like you to reference a probably one of the most classic examples is the movie airplane Airplane was a movie that was never designed to take itself seriously. It was full of all kinds of campy jokes the whole way through. Um, I don't want to throw out other names of examples of more modern versions of it because they might end up on the list of movies to see. But like the, just the entire idea of Spaceballs. OK, I'll throw out Spaceballs, which means I'm, I'm automatically... I'm automatically disqualifying Spaceballs as an option to go through. Spaceballs was a spoof comedy movie on the Star Wars genre. It is classic. It is amazing. It's one of my favorite films of all time, actually. Um, but that movie was, again, it was intended to make fun of Star Wars. Airplane was kind of just that whole group of folks with Leslie Nielsen and his whole group from the um, the TV show that he was on. It was all his uh, police squad like the whole group of them, they ended up going on and doing, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to disqualify another group of Leslie Nielsen movies. Um, like the naked gun series, like the spoof yeah. movie, the, the movies. I know. Movies, you, I, I know. What you're talking. Yeah. That, that, that's the genre because that's kind of different. Like you can kind of get into some of the funny stuff. And for that, because I like a good comedy. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would, if I had a choice, it would be 
early to mid '80s fantasy. Ooh, I might have to uh, give a vote on Sean. So, oh, he might uh, ha- he might have yeah. gotten me with that one. Is there's not, a I've lot. Already, I've already got one. I, I mean, I've already. Yeah, I, I do I've got like yeah, three. I already, <laughs> I already have it. So, but yeah, yeah I gotta we'll figure do that. out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there we go. There's, so we're gonna do so many good ones. There that are bad. Uh, like they're good I... ones that are bad. Oh God, I, I, I know. If someone doesn't take it, I know the one that I'm going to call for this one. Then, yeah, no, I, Sean, you win. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going gonna... to actually, I'm going to throw it out there right now. I own it, so we could do it as a watch party. I haven't watched it in years, but we could do it as a watch party if we need to watch it without having to pay money for something. But it's Dragon Slayer. Oh, that was what it was. One of my top three. I was going to pull for this one. That's a hundred percent. I've not we... seen that. We talk about what how our plan moving forwards for these as well. Then, so obviously we sure. normally try to record on a Thursday evening. So what we we're thinking about doing for these is all getting together on the scheduled Thursday where we should record to watch a movie on Discord. So anyone who's on Discord can join in and we can like have have it on, all watch it together, kind of thing, and then. We'll record like that the following weekend for our review of it. So it kind of yeah. we get to hang out a little bit more. And but I, I, you guys I can join in you, as well. I am going to tell you that's not the movie we're going to watch. But that's kind <gasps> of the that is not the movie I am picking. Oh, uh, okay. That means I could still pick it then. <laughs> you could if you yeah, want well, to. Sense, I we'll, have a, we'll have a discussion. We'll put, throw a few in there. Yeah, no, I have, I, don't, I have one better, one other one I want to do ahead of that one, assuming it doesn't so, get taken. So, so let me throw you this. The one that we're going to watch is Fire and Ice. Ooh, I don't think I've ever seen that. You probably well, um, have not. You probably have not because it's animated. Yeah. Yeah. And it fits this, like what we're talking about with the movies and stuff so yeah. well. And it is so good that it's bad, but good at the same time. Yeah, and I I wanted to add in the caveat that you know we don't have to pick bad movies. We can well, we, yeah, we can can... cast the net and use our memories, and like memories can be flawed. Um, yeah. like Relic wasn't necessarily as good as Ed remembered. It's okay. Yeah. I I had hopes. I had hopes. I was yeah. wrong. Yep. But um, yeah, I think that kind of wraps us up here. We um we have our weakest of the three movies that we were going to watch there sure um, do. would you recommend any of them to the listeners from the those three i i i could still uh, put hard target on and yeah, watch, yeah watch hard target on a, out of the three you could probably yeah. give them that yeah but, i agree because there was at least something entertain like i found myself entertained during that film once you accept the level of ridiculous that was in hard target if once you've absorbed that and kind of accepted it it did what it was trying to do and i think we said that a lot when we did the review for that film i mean it did what it set out to do i think the problem i had with this one or like what um what was it again what was it sean the arrival no the arrival arrival was the the first one yeah for the arrival, I it just I didn't enjoy it at all at any point, right? Mm-hmm. It was just it, I just was like, because uh, I feel like I remember messaging Sean like halfway through, like, "What the hell have you made me watch?" Yeah. For this one, for the relic, I was annoyed watching it. <laughs> it I was frustrated and annoyed, and I was like, "If we, I would have turned this off." And I think yeah. I can't remember if I said that in the chat. So I remember the first two thirds of this movie. I did not remember the ending at all. So I feel like I watched it and never finished it. That might be why. Yeah, because I was just annoyed at it. I... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I I agree. I I I. Yeah. I when I got to the end. My wife went over to me and was like, and you made your friends watch this? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Yeah. Oh, Aww. it's good. 
It's okay. As long as we don't evolve into trying to make each other feel that way, I'm okay. Oh, no, no, no. So, especially with this upcoming genre, there's so many good ones. Mm -hmm. I I just did a... I'm not going to give any answers here. I I just did a Google of, like, 80s fantasy movies, and I'm just kind of looking through some of these, and I'm like, ooh, there's a good one. Ooh, there's a good one. Oh, I love that movie. So there's so many good ones. We'll see where this goes. I think we should kind of extend give it like a 30 year window like 70s to 90s kind of thing oh i can live yeah 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 i i don't i think we both like i feel like lord of the rings should be the cutoff you know we don't want to give people stuff they've all already seen yeah well Well, this this one the first one is going to be one that probably very few people have seen fire and ice is it's one that i saw way back when probably in the 90s um, it's from '83, yeah. and it's it's a good animated film that fits that time frame. I, I have, now, I have, I have, I have not you, I've never seen it, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I have not watched it. I bought it, and I still haven't watched it. I've got um, one that I want to suggest, but I feel like it'll be a lot worse than I remember. So maybe I'll watch it first myself, and then decide if I'm going to put it in there. Oh no, I, I'm 100% pulling the one that I'm going to pull from memory and hope it's as good as I remember it to be. <laughs> is, it, is it Lady Hawk? Oh my god, what is... Yes! That was definitely one of the ones that was on my list! Oh yeah. good, none of you have spoken about mine yet, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. So, Alright, fine, we're talking list here. The three films that dropped into the top of my head for this particular genre, as soon as you said it, Kroll was the first one. That was, that was my next one I was going to say. <laughs> I, I, that was such a great movie. I love that movie so much. Crawl that movie was the, sucks so bad. I know, I know. As an, but, adult, as an adult, it sucks so bad. I know. It is an unbelievably bad movie. <laughs> but I, but I, I had high hopes. It was like, maybe it was better than I thought it was. Um, the second movie that popped into my head was Excalibur. That's <sighs> And just because I, the, I forget the actor's name who played, um, uh, uh, uh Nigel, uh, I mean, you've got Nigel's Nigel Terry's King Arthur, yeah. Liam Nielsen's yeah. in it, Helen Mirren, Patrick Stewart. No, yeah, no, no. Right. You talk about the one that plays, uh, uh Merlin? Yes. I, f- I remember his name. He's so good. He's so good in that one. He's like the he highlight. He has a great line, and he has a great line that's redone in a Metallica song. When a man lies, he murders some There's part, some of, the part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. One so that was almost... that. That was the second film that came to mind. Yeah, that, that was my first one. As soon as he said '80s fantasy, I was on it. Excalibur. Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, I own that one, and I follow. Oh, Gabriel Burns in it as well. Oh, Gabriel Burns oh, is yeah. in it. It's and got a hell of a cast. And then yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat for probably one of the first films I ever remember seeing uh, in person. Uh, I was gonna cheat and say Neverending Story because I love that movie. <sighs> I love. Uh, that movie. I mean, I feel like we're pretty. Cool. There's a good cast there, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna rewatch Excalibur first because I I have memory. Uh, it's R-rated. Oh, it's a I good movie. Like no, no, no. It's, it's, well, there, it, it's R. Up. Yeah, it's R-rated because of the sex scene between. Um, Lancelot and, 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 and yeah, not Morgana. Well, Lancelot, and Gwen, uh, Lancelot and Guinevere. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not. Well, sure it's a, um an Arthur and Morgana. Well, yeah, yeah. There's well. a Helen Mirren, Helen yeah. Mirren, and uh, oh, maybe yeah. Helen Mirren and Nigel Terry have there because that's how Gwen or whatever. Not Gwen. What's the son? Morgoth or whatever his name yeah. is. Mordred. Yeah. Mordred. Yeah. I actually own that, and I watch it periodically. That's I used to own movie. it on DVD, but I, yeah. I don't think it made the trip across the Atlantic. I'm going to be honest. Ah, There's yeah, not, not many of my DVDs made the trip across the Atlantic. I'm surprised I mean, no one, I'm sorry no one here mentioned Conan. Uh, it's too obvious, so it's, I think. Yeah, I, was I, know, I agree. It's too obvious, and... I would have I would have thought that Never Ending Story was too obvious, but that's just... I have, uh, I guess, I have a love. I for mean, that I that movie will ha- lives rent free in my if, head. If if you pick Neverending Story, you are going to lose again because. Oh no! I a, know that, that's a, a given scene that's going to make me not want to pick your movie as the mm-hmm. best one. Aww. Another another one is Legend. Oh, I was going to so know that because Tim Curry's in it. And he plays the yeah. devil. Oh, that's another great. That's uh, Tom yeah. Cruise's first movie. Yeah. 
Yep. And what's her name? Uh, Mira Savina or whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's another really strong film. Uh, yeah, a strong contender. It's it's yeah. got a it's got one of my favorite soundtracks of all time from Tangerine Dream. Yes, it is so good. So that you've all got time to jump on the Discord and put your feedback in as well. See if you can pick some bangers for us to watch next month. But yeah, we're going to. Uh, I said, I'll organize a watch party. Whether we all get together or not, I'll make sure that the thing is at least running in the Discord on the Thursday that it's supposed to be, and we can have a hangout and watch that, and then we'll do our recordings. But yeah, I think this has been fun, a nice distraction. And we made it through a full genre. You're right. Kroll's got like a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Is it that? I don't remember it being that bad. It is such a bad movie. It's so as a kid, it's a fascinating movie. The 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 glaive, the glaive, yeah, hundred percent. Well, and the, then the dark tower that disappears and reappears in mm-hmm. different locations throughout the world every day. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I can't uh, wait. This this is gonna be such a fun one. I'm really looking. The first forward movie to it. is going to be Fire and Ice, just to let everybody know. So be prepared. Yeah. A, a movie I have I have never seen, so I, I and, and, and and this is why I didn't pick Conan because Conan was probably my number two. This one replaces Conan, and you'll you'll understand why. Okay, I yeah. will. I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil myself or anything. I'm gonna enjoy it the first time as I'm watching it with you guys. I still think Lady I still think Lady Hawk's a good choice. <laughs> We've got a discussion to have once we stop we recording. Did. I can't believe yep. you pulled that movie of all movies out of your head. <laughs> oh, what Lady Hawk? I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, that's good. Uh, up that's... so I can close the show, idiots. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> no, I'm leaving this in. This isn't getting edited out. I'm just no. calling you idiots so I can close no. the show. Nor should it. Nor should it. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you in three, in four weeks' time, I suppose. So we've got three rounds of uh, lack of focus before the next in focus. But yeah, have a good one, guys. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening to a Lack of Focus podcast brought to you by Dice Productions.